I think we've actually all had a 603 moment in our life. Maybe it hasn't been as extreme as other people's 603 moment, but I know that you're going to be able to relate to this incredible conversation that I had with Jessie Sherloff. So she is a mom to two sweet little girls and on the outside it looked like she had it all, but on the inside she was numb. She takes us through her 603 moment, which will make a lot of sense once you dive into the podcast, but she also really dives deep into the steps that she took following that moment and there are some amazing little golden nuggets in there. She now has begun to inspire other people to begin sharing their real and authentic truth. You don't want to miss this episode. You can find Jesse on Instagram at This Is My Truth Podcast. I would also be downloading her podcast and subscribing ASAP. Um, and her podcast is called This Is My Truth. And you can also find her on her website at www.jessiesherleff.com. And I will put all of this information in the show notes for you as well. Enjoy today's episode. Okay, ladies, welcome back to the Fit to Be a Mama podcast. I'm so excited today to be sitting here having a little chat with Jess Sherloff. Hopefully I said that right. (laughs) So Jessie, she actually has her own podcast, which I highly recommend you guys download. It's called This Is My Truth Podcast. I said that right as well. Yeah, this is my truth. Um, It is like it, it is such a great podcast, so highly recommend you guys um, take a peek at that, subscribe, download. It's amazing. So um, I think that you guys should actually realize how much effort Jess and I have gone through to have this conversation because I think it was in August we originally yeah. like planned for this, yeah. and then like sick kids... And like I had construction happening here and then you lost power for like days. <laughs> a tornado touched down in Chicago of all, all things. And yeah, so we lost power for three days. Yeah. So here we are, um, October and we're finally doing this, but, um, you know, we just persevered and, and we made it happen. So, um, before we dive in, I just wanted to ask you what your morning routine looks like. Oh, that's a good question. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I'm so glad that we are having this conversation. It's a long time in, in the making. Um, my morning routine is, I, so I'll preface this, that prior to what I sort of call my awakening, I was not a morning person. I was that mom who was you know, getting out of bed, like right before I had to get my kids to school and like mornings were not my jam. Most days were not my jam generally. And so now I wake up at around 4.35 and I meditate for, you know, it, I kind of go through phases right now. I'm really liking that. um, mama's mindset on insight timer. And then I'll journal for what, however long 
I want. And then I go, well, I had been training for the Chicago marathon prior to them canceling it. Um, so <laughs> I still, I usually go for a run, um, or I'll do some form of a workout, whether that's, you know, like a seven minute core workout or, um, going for a run or if I'm not feeling a run, I'll, I'll just go for a walk. I have a sort of a loop that I do in my neighborhood here in Chicago. But for me, starting my mornings before my kids get up and before like the craziness of the day of like taking time for me and not logging into my work email and not logging into email and not sort of like checking everything else around me is so important for me to set the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. I, I love asking people this question because um, there's always so many similarities to everyone who answers this. Like they're starting their day um, early, which I think is like key to having a successful life. I, I really do believe that. And it's always like the same types of things, but just maybe in a different order, maybe a different like time commitment. Maybe it just looks a little bit different, but the common theme is like no social media, like no technology, um, getting up before our kids, being quiet, being still. Um, and, and there, there isn't like a specific, like you do this, then you do this, then you do this and you do this for a certain amount of time. Like for me, it's like every day, my morning routine looks a little bit different than it did the day before or the month before or the year before, because I always just like kind of see what do I need? Like sometimes I do get up and work. Like that's just what I need in that moment and for that day. So um, yeah, I just, I love, I love hearing other people's perspective on it. I think what you're hitting on though is so important because when I first started doing this, I wasn't giving myself permission to sort of change my routine every day based on what I need. And so I was, I'm someone who, you know, I would say I'm a recovering perfectionist and like someone who likes to have control. And so I felt like my routine had to be set in stone. And what I was finding was that I was becoming resentful of that. And it wasn't until I allowed myself, like I gave myself the permission to say, okay, like, what do you need? Like waking up every morning and saying like, what do you need this morning? Like, how are you feeling? How do you want to feel that I was able to to come to terms with? Like, I generally have an idea of like what I need to do in the mornings that like make me feel grounded, but it's okay if the order changes or it's okay if like I only journal for you know, three minutes versus like 10 minutes. And so for me, that was really, really important, but it wasn't something that I picked up on right away. And so I love that you're calling that out. Yeah. And I think that, so I think you and I are very, very similar in that. And actually I think a lot of women are too, because when I started creating a morning routine, I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, which I think is such a great book for people to read who are wanting to create some sort of a routine, but it's so structured that I, I had that, like I, that was ingrained in me for probably like a first year of me having a morning routine. It was like this, 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 this is what I have to do. This is what I was told to do. Like, I can't stray from this. I can't deviate. Even if it doesn't feel right, even if maybe it's not working today, I have to keep doing this. And yeah, just giving yourself permission to like, actually, this isn't what I need today. And, you know, I'm not going to say that every single day 
I do the following things because there's lots of days where I don't pick up my journal because I don't need to, or I don't do a meditation because I just don't feel like I need to, or I don't move my body because I don't, I don't want to work out today or I'm not feeling well, or I'm going to do it later. Like there's, there's just like, you just have to really give yourself permission, but maybe in those early days of creating a morning routine, you do really need that structure and like that map to follow until you feel comfortable. It's like learning how to cook, right? You got to follow the recipe. Like you need to have that structure, but then you can start to be like, Oh, I'm going to add a little this and a little of that and change it up. So, um, but yeah, just giving yourself permission to, to do that when you feel like you're ready to sort of like fly free with it. 100% because I think it's about building the habit right it's about building like now I wake up even without an alarm around 4 35 like it's like my body's natural awake time now but you know I needed that I I have a um one of those lights that are like the sun lights that my husband absolutely can't stand oh my gosh like (laughs) yes I have it right here Um, I love it it's like my favorite the Philips wake up clock that's what mine is I, mine is actually just like a light bulb that like goes into like our bedside lamp. So I like pick out the normal light bulb and I love it. My husband hates it because he's not a morning person. And so he's like, why is this thing going up? And, but you know, I needed that for the longest time. And now I, you know, like sometimes Greg will turn it off on me and I won't realize and I'll still wake up at four thirty. Right. So it, it, it is about like building that foundation, whatever that looks like for you. However, you need to build that foundation to then get to that point of like, okay, like what do you need to, to set your morning off or your day off on the right foot? Yeah. And I won't keep talking about this, but (laughs) I think these clocks are like so, so effective because I mean, nobody can see it right now, but I'm like literally sitting beside mine on my bed while we record this. Um, but it like starts to just slowly glow. So it's almost like you're waking up naturally to the sun, which is how we are supposed to wake up as humans instead of waking, like instead of being in a complete deep sleep and then like, boom, your alarm goes off and you're like forced to wake and your body is not ready for it. Whereas this like gently wakes you up and then mine's, mine um, goes for like 20 minutes of like getting a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter. And then birds start chirping. And so that's actually how I wake up in the morning is to the birds chirping. But by the time the birds start chirping, I'm already like pretty much awake. So it's a very easy transition for my body um, because just waking up so suddenly by an alarm clock leaves you really feeling a bit depleted. And I hate having technology in the bedroom. So I do not want to go to bed with my phone in my room at all. Like I'm just like very like hard rule about that. So, um, you know, I think for anyone, these are maybe some tips that you can kind of implement for yourself. Um, something that you mentioned just right at the beginning of our conversation here was, um, you, you talked about how your morning routine now, but prior to your awakening, um, could we dive into that a little bit? Yeah. Like what was, when you say, when you say prior to my awakening, um, what does that, what does that mean? So I had this moment and it was at 6.03 in the morning 
and I will never forget it. I was brushing my teeth. And again, I'm not a morning person. So I'm like not happy um, to even be up at this point. And I'm brushing my teeth and my husband and I in our master bathroom, we have, we each have our own sink. And he just happened to look over at me. And for some reason that morning he goes, are you happy? And I'll never forget this. I'm like holding my electric toothbrush in my hand. And again, for some reason, the truth just blurted out of me. And I sort of like whisper shouted, no. And it scared the shit out. Sorry, can I curse? Yes. Okay. (laughs) It scared the shit out of me. And it for sure as hell scared the shit out of him. And it started me on this path of, you know, for the last 35 years of my life, I had been sort of putting one foot in front of the other. I had been living for everybody else's standards, but I had lost who I was. I was, you know, a person who was, who'd struggled with infertility. I then became a mom to two little humans within two years. And I just did what I had to do to survive, which was just sort of compartmentalize and shove my emotions down and keep going until this moment at 6.03, when I finally admitted to myself and to my husband, probably not in the best way for our relationship, but like that, no, I wasn't happy. And it started me on this path of, you know, getting help and finding what I needed to rediscover who I was and who I wanted to become. And I'm so grateful that I did that because I look at myself, you know, that 603 moment happened about a year and a half ago. And I look at myself then, and I look at myself now, and I just want to give that, that version of me, like a big hug and say, like, you're doing the best that you can, but there's so much more out there. Um, And so it started me on this path of healing and frankly, just stepping into my light, finding my voice and speaking my truth. Mm, I love that. Um, So I'm curious, what, what prompted your husband to ask that question? You know, we've talked about it. And so my husband is my, my biggest supporter but he's also the person I build the, the tallest walls up around, which sounds so crazy. Like it's like you shouldn't have walls with your partner, but because he's someone who can hurt me the most, he is someone that I have the biggest walls up around, which is obviously not ideal. And he's also someone who is very in tune with his own emotions and those around him. He's, he's pretty empathic. And So he often will call me on my own bullshit when I am not, you know, when I'm saying I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything is fine, but obviously things are not fine. And so, you know, we've talked about like what prompted him that morning. I don't think it was like any necessarily thing. I think that it was just, you know, years at that point, we had been married for six years of just him seeing me slowly lose myself. And, you know, I'm sure he had asked me, in fact, I know for a fact, he has asked me at other points in our relationship and other points in my life, like, are you happy? And I, and I answered like, 
yes, I'm fine. Everything is fine. But for some reason that morning, I just blurted out the truth and it set us on a whole new path. Yeah. You can like see how that, like even just hearing that story, I can see how that moment at like 6.03 was such a defining moment in probably your relationship and your life um, and just has kind of like led you to where you are now. Um, So what kind of work did you begin doing? Like what, you know, because I'm sure there's lots of other women who at one point has uttered those words out, you know, I'm not happy or have even just thought it, but not everybody does anything about it, right? We just, yeah. we just like think, well, this is, this is it. This is what I've got. And I'll just keep moving forward, feeling this way. Um, so like, what did you do? Like, what does, what does that whole process look like? Like what has sort of the past year and a half looked like for you as far as that moment in the bathroom to, you know, having a podcast and, and doing the work that you do now. Yeah. Um, so one, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, I think that even though I had this moment and even though I've had this journey, I, I personally, like, I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, are you like cured? And I was like, first of all, I don't think there's a cure for this. Like, I think for me, it's, it's an ever, it's a process and it's a, it's a journey. And I hope that I am always discovering sort of that next phase of my life and who I want to become and who I am. So for me, it's very much a journey. I'm not like quote unquote cured by, by any means, but I also want to acknowledge what you said too, in terms of, I do think that there lo- there's lots of women out there who, you know, are in or have been in similar situations to me. And what was hard for me was on the outside, I had it quote unquote all. Like if you, you know, I had two children, I had, or I I have two children, I have a house in the city of Chicago. I have a, a corporate job that I've done very well for myself on. So there was also this, um, I don't know, guilt almost of, you know, I had all the check boxes that society was telling me that I should have. And And like, I just have to interrupt for a second because I think this is so common. Like a hundred percent. Everyone, you know, everyone who I've talked to with like a similar type of story as in like, you know, inside I felt like I was dying and I'm I'm not happy with how things are going but on the outside everything looks good and how how good are we at making everything appear like we've got it all we can check all the boxes and life looks perfect and then we feel like well that's how that's how I like that's how I need to show up and that's how I need to feel and who am I to be unhappy even though I've got all these things, like that's exactly, I I was there too. Like, yeah, sorry, keep going. No, but that's it. It was this like, who am I to complain? Because I have so much more than I ever thought that I would have. I have so much more than so many people in this world. Who am I to sit here and say that I'm not happy? But 
in that, I, I had this little like voice inside of me for so long, let's call it a fire of like, there's more, there's more, there's more, but I never really one listened to it or two like knew what that meant. So to answer your actual question, um, and sort of like what that process has looked for me. Like first and foremost, I got help. I started seeing a therapist again and I found a coach in a community and um, it's our mutual friend, Heather. And for me, it was scary and vulnerable. But in this process, I realized that there was a big chunk of my life that I had never dealt with. And for me, that was my journey to becoming a mom. And specifically, um, my husband and I, when we decided we wanted to start a family, you know, we started like everyone else does, like, and then it quickly realized that this was not working for us. And so we went on this path of numerous IUIs. Um, eventually we have two children by IVF, but my oldest daughter, um, it was actually a twin. And we lost her twin brother, my son, Clark, um, when I was in my second trimester. And I never dealt with that. Like I never, again, I was really good at shoving my emotions down and compartmentalizing. And so I just never dealt with grieving the whole process that I went through and the loss of my son. And so a big part of you know, the work that I had to do and I'm still doing was around processing that. I remember, you know, talking to Heather and she was like, well, what do you want? Like, what's your big desire? And I was like, frankly, I just want to feel again, like the good, the bad and the ugly. Like I hadn't been feeling anything. And it reminds me of, you know, Brene Brown says like, when you turn off, um, the, the, like, you can't feel joy when you're, when you're feeling darkness. Like you can't feel either of those emotions when you're sort of like turning everything off. And that was so true for me. And so as I went through this process of, you know, working through and dealing with the shame and the guilt and the grief that I had around just infertility in general, and then the loss of our son, I started to talk about it. And at first it was in, you know, like one-on-one conversations, but then it was in, you know, smaller group settings. And then eventually I stood in front of 50 strangers and I talked about a moment that I had staring at myself, um, commuting into work on the L, which is the subway here in Chicago and looking at my reflection. And I had this aha moment of, no one would know by looking at me, right? Like I was dressed for work. I had makeup on. I was wearing my like business. I probably had a meeting that day. I was business casual and no one would know the shit show that I had just gone on over the year and a half of that. You know, on the outside, again, I was this pregnant person celebrating, you know, my pregnancy, but on the inside, no one knew the pain that I was feeling. You know, we had specifically bought a stroller that was for twins that, you know, we would never use a twin extension for. I, you know, would go into my daughter's room, you know, she wasn't born yet. I would go into her room and I would like sit in a fetal position and like not let myself cry, but like, just like curl up and like 
be in this space where like two kids were supposed to be. And my aha moment was no one would know that by looking at me. And how many of us are walking around with our masks, with our armor and not sharing our stories? And so when I started to share, so many people told me, me too. And what was crazy to me was that it wasn't always like that they had experienced infertility or they experienced child loss. Like their stories could be and experiences were so different from mine, but there was always a common thread to something, right? Like shame or guilt or um, just this feeling of numbness that they could relate to. And that was my next aha moment of we all have moments where we felt isolated or alone and community was a huge part in my healing. And so to pay it forward for all of those who created space for me, I wanted to create space for people to be able to share their stories. And that's where the podcast came from. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you went into all of this detail because I remember back in February when we were at the Alive event in Detroit and you and I did not know each other, but I just remember, you know, you standing up and you sharing that story about being on the subway or the train and seeing your reflection in your mirror, in the mirror, and you were pregnant, but, and it just like, it just spoke to me so much, not because I had gone through a similar situation, but because what do we do when we see someone who's pregnant, right? Oh, that's so exciting. Oh my gosh. But we have no idea what actually is going on inside of them. And I think that you, you brought that to my attention um, and just opened my eyes up to the fact that we all are like hiding something. We all have something inside of us um, that needs to come out. And I just remember like watching you, like, I remember hearing you speak and then you got to that part in your story. And I was like, where is she in this room? Like, I was like scanning my eyes, trying to find you. And I was like, I, I want to like connect with this girl. I don't know who she is or what she does or why she's here. Like, I just, I, <laughs> I want to, I want to connect with her. So um, yeah, like I think that the stars all like align in all of this stuff and here we are on a podcast. Um, but I, uh, yeah, your story is so beautiful and so raw and so real and um, relatable to everyone, even if the situation is not the same. Um, so why do you feel like like sharing your truth and, and telling your truth. Why is that so important? Why do you feel that is so important? For me, it's so important because I think about the, the world that I want my two little humans to grow up in. And I want, one of my big whys is I want my children to be able to have productive conversations with people, with different viewpoints, with different experiences, with different political or religious, like just different experiences. And I think that that's so lacking right now in the world. And so for me, in sharing my truth and, and sharing my perspective, it, it, I believe it opens the door for others to share their perspective. And so for me, I really believe that when you're able to take off your mask, even for a second, 
it opens the door to true authentic connection and that is what breeds empathy and I really think we could use a little bit more empathy in the world right now and so you know that ability to be able to see things from another person's perspective or to put yourself in someone else's shoes is really important to me. And I think that only happens when you're willing to be vulnerable. Now, I want to acknowledge that being vulnerable is not easy. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm not sitting here saying that like you should bare your soul to every single person that you come across. Like, absolutely not. You should, you should think about what boundaries that you have and what you are capable and or willing to share. And also like, you know, what is, what is the safety of, of you, you know, as a white cisgendered female, it's, I'm more able to stand up in a crowd of people and share my truth. But if I was someone of a person of color, that might be different. Right. And which is unfortunate, but I think it's important to acknowledge that because everyone is going to have their own boundaries. But if you are able to share your story in a way that feels aligned to your values, your beliefs, your boundaries, even if it's just in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, or even if it's just to yourself, right? Like admitting it to yourself to me, it's like a snowball effect. If you can, if you admit it to yourself or you admit it to one other person, like, and that, that gives that person permission to do it to either themselves or one other person. And it gives it, it gives permission to the next person, right? Like what a world we could live in if we all just came with a little bit more empathy to situations. Mm -hmm. And I think like this circles back so well to that moment in your bathroom when you admitted out loud, I'm not happy. Um, because you then had to do the work and yeah. you had to really like face the reality of what was like buried deep down inside of you. And so I think even if, even if other women, other people don't want to necessarily share their truth, they have to, in order to get from like that 603 moment in the bathroom of admitting I'm not happy in order to get beyond that, they are going to have to go deep within themselves and, and admit the truth just even to themselves before they can ever move forward because otherwise you will always be stuck in this, I'm not happy, I'm not happy, I'm not happy. And no matter what you do or buy for yourself or like create, you will never you will never move to the other point because you just are so you're not willing to deal with like that muddy middle. Um, so even if you're not standing up in front of a crowd of women sharing your truth, you've got to do the work, whether it's, you know, investing in help, um, seeing someone journaling, like however it is that you come out with that. And it's not, doesn't have to always be this big, dark, dirty secret that you've got. Like I had to do that work too, because, you know, five, five years ago, I was like, again, had it all like great career for children. We had just bought our, our, you know, dream house. Everything was going well. 
but why was I like so irritable on the inside and so like depleted and exhausted? It wasn't because I was a mom with four little kids. It was because there was just something inside of me that wasn't being fulfilled. And I had to like dig a little deep and, and, you know, it's not any, any big thing that happened in my life. It was all like little pieces coming together that I had to just acknowledge and deal with and, and sort through in order to kind of come out of that. And, and I think we're always climbing out of it. Always, always, always. Cause you just get to a new level and a new place and you're like, okay, now I need to go through this and then I need to go through this. So, um, I just think it's, it's so important for women to realize like you've got to just deal with what is going on inside of you. Like, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And what I will say is I, I bought into societies like, you know, what society tells us, what culture tells us that like motherhood is hard and like, you can't have it all. And, um, you know, this is just how it is when you have young kids, right? Like, and frankly, you know, I think about the people that I had surrounded myself with at that time. And like, that's the messages we were all getting. That was the messages we were sharing with each other. And so it starts with giving yourself permission and it starts by doing the work for yourself. And that's not easy. And I mean, it took me 35 years to get to that point. Right. Like, and there's still things that I'm working through. Like I often say, like, I believe we all have moments where we felt alone or isolated. Some people have one, some people have many, like I have many, and I'm still working through a lot of them and I'm not ready to share all of them. And, um, and that's okay too. Right. Um, but I love what you're saying. Cause I, wholeheartedly agree that it starts with yourself. It starts by looking inward and putting yourself first, which is really hard to do as a mom in today's, you know, society and cultural standards, which I just wish we could like smash the stigma around that. Um, you know, but even I just, I was on a text message with, with girlfriends earlier and, one of my friends is pregnant and she was talking about how she felt guilty because she was only giving her kids, you know, um, grilled cheese and turkey sandwiches for dinner because like that's, and it's like, give yourself a break, like give yourself a break, like, and they're not going to remember that they had turkey sandwiches every day for nine months. They're going to remember that they were loved and fed. Like, so give yourself a break. Yeah. And I think too, this is why having like that morning routine is so utterly important because it gives, like, it gives me a chance every single day just to like debrief with myself. How am I feeling? Like, do I need to work through anything right now? And that's why I say some mornings when I need to journal for 20 minutes and other days I don't need to do it at all. And other days I need to meditate and sometimes I need to get work done. Like it all depends on what I need to like sort through in my mind and my emotions because stuff is always coming up in our lives. And if we never deal with it, it just like builds and builds and builds and builds. And then you find yourself at 603 holding your electric toothbrush saying to your husband, I'm not happy. Like, you know, 100%. <laughs> 
100%. And the other thing I've learned, because like, I think the morning routine is so important, but what I also had to learn over time for myself is I also need to check in with myself throughout the day. Like I used to just do my morning routine and then I'd be like, oh, like I'm good. Check the box. But to your point, like stuff is coming up throughout the day, right? Like you're not always just in this one state of energy or vibrations, like the entire day. And so what I've had to learn, especially in a COVID life, especially as someone who works in corporate America, where it would be really easy for my calendar to be back-to-back meetings from nine to five with no breaks, is how do you check in, how do you build in check-ins throughout the day so that you are recalibrating and giving yourself what you need? Um, Because it starts with the morning, but then it's so important, at least for me, to also make sure I'm having those check-ins. And sometimes I forget to do that. And that's when I find like, you know, the end of the day, the kids are in bed and I'll be like, why was I so grumpy at the end of the day? And I'm like, oh, I forgot to check in with myself like throughout the day to recalibrate. Yes, I I agree with you so much on this. And I feel like one of my first podcast episodes, I talked about this a little bit, but every, not every, because I'm not perfect, but most afternoons, and I even did this during COVID with like the six months when all four kids were at home, around like 2.30 p.m., um, now it's closer to about three. So I give myself like an hour, no, sorry. I give myself about 30 to 45 minutes before my kids get home from school. And I like put all my work away, put my phone away and I will like lay down. We don't have a couch right now because we're going through renovations. So right now I either like go outside or I lay on my bed and I'll just, I'll use insight timer and I'll just put on some like nice, like calming tunes set the the timer for like 20 minutes and I will just lay there. And sometimes I like drift into a little bit of a nap. Other times I just lay there and I'm calm, but it like re-energizes me because when I was not doing that, I found that when the kids came home from school, I was feeling so depleted that I was like, oh my God, they're home already. Like I'm not ready for this. And then, you know, the next couple of hours after school is like crazy. They're hungry. You're trying to get dinner ready, unpacking everything. And it's like, oh my God, you guys just leave me alone. Meanwhile, I had been alone all day. So I, that is like so important for me. And I would do the same thing during COVID. I would tell the kids like, okay, mommy's going for her rest. Like, unless you're bleeding or dying, do not come in my room. Like, 100% don't bother Um, and then again in the evening I try to like get into my bedroom at a good time Um, and these are all things that I have been able to implement over a span of a very long time it's not like you go from feeling depleted and having no time in your day to all of a sudden like oh look at I've created all these check-ins for myself and I'm living in alignment like it is so much like you need to put the time in and figure out what works and you go, you'll go backwards 10 steps and then you'll go forward 10 steps. So, um, but yeah, it's, it really is so, so important. All these like little check-ins that we can do. 100%. And to your point, it's a journey, right? Like no one wakes up one day and they're like, I've got this and I'm set for the rest of my life. Like you, for at least for me, maybe someone has, if a listener has, please reach out. Cause I would like all of your tips and tricks. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a journey. And like, again, I go back to, especially during COVID, but even, even in Chicago, 
we don't really have any restrictions anymore. Um, but it's this idea around surrendering and like, that was so hard. I remember someone saying that to me when I first started this and I was like, I, I do not understand what you mean. <laughs> like you want me to do what? And it was such a hard concept for me to wrap my head around because I had lived my life by such a certain standard and with so much control. And, you know, I often say that like infertility was my first lesson in giving up control, which set me up for parenthood, which is even more of a lesson of giving up control. But, you know, I think all of this helped me prepare for COVID and pandemic life because, you know, it, it was, it was interesting to see everyone around me and their reactions and then observe my own reactions. And, you know, it was, it was not easy. Like I'm not sitting here saying that like those three months where I had no help and, um, you know, we were all home and we're all trying to figure out how to live a life in a city where you can't go outside, um, was easy, but I, I really cherished that time with, with my kids because, you know, they were, they just turned, their birthdays are in March. So they just both turned four and two and it was just such this amazing time. And I think like we really were able to create some awesome memories as a family and, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't learned the lesson of surrender and adjusting and being able to like give my permit myself permission to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we've, we've even had that conversation too. Like the whole quarantine COVID experience was such a positive experience for us. And I know that the only reason I can say that is because of all of the inner work that I've done over the last few years. Um, otherwise I would have been, I would have been a hot mess. I would have been struggling, um, having pity parties. Like I used to love a good pity party. Um, I was the best at them. (laughs) Poor poor me. Oh my gosh. I've got it so bad. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like this, this inner work that is so vital. It, It really, it really proved its point during COVID, I think. 100%. Um, Okay. So you have your podcast, which is like such an amazing platform for women to essentially share their truth. And you, you basically just hold space for other women to come on and, and share their truth. Is that essentially... Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it is. So the, the platform is, or my mission is to create community and connection through sharing personal stories, because that is what I found to be so immensely helpful for me as I went through this journey of, you know, doing the inner work and having a community of like-minded people, um, because I hadn't necessarily surrounded myself with those people, um, in my day to day at that point. And so the podcast is all about creating a safe space for people to share their truth. And I specifically created a podcast because it was really important for me that people were able to listen in like the comfort of 
what worked for them. Like they didn't have to admit that they were listening to a podcast about people sharing their truth or infertility or, you know, I've had people come on and share all sorts of different stories coming out, um, leaving their husband to marry their wife, um, uh, you know, domestic abuse, emotional abuse, like really, really what can be heavy things. Um, and so I love that with podcasting, you can sort of, you know, just plug in and not tell people what you're listening to and still sort of have that, that connection. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's my mission is to create community and connection through sharing personal stories. Yeah. I love it. And it's such like a safe, a safe place, right. For people to, to just go and just tune in and, and to feel like they aren't the only one feeling this way. So I absolutely love it. So besides the podcast, and I'm going to put everything into the show notes, but um, is there like, where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at this is my truth podcast. And the other way to reach me is on my website at www.jessi, that's J-E-S-S-I, Sherlef, S-H-U-R-A-L-E-F-F. It's a doozy. I really need to come up with something better. Com. I'll, I'll put that all in the show notes. So is there anything else that you wanted to mention today that we didn't really dive into at all? No, I, I think I would just say if, you, if you're listening and you you know, any of this resonates with you and you've ever thought to yourself, I, I have a story to share, but I don't know how to share it, or I don't know how to share it without, you know, feeling so exposed or, you know, you've shared before and you've like second guessed or overthink it, thunk it, overthunk it, um, whatever that, whatever word you're supposed to put there. Um, you know, I, I would love to connect and we can, we can chat because, you know, I really believe the world needs our stories and whether that's just, you're doing it for the healing inner work for yourself, or you're ready to stand and speak your truth on, you know, a stage or a podcast, it doesn't matter. There's such empowerment and magic on the other side of working through some of this. And, um, I, I want to be able to share that with you. I love it. And so much freedom, like so, so much freedom. So, well, thank you so much for, um, first of all, for the work that you're doing and the podcast and just like creating that place for women to go or men. I think you, you, you've had men on there as well. I've had a few men. Yeah. 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 So just such a, such a safe place for humans to go and just feel like they can speak their authentic truth. I think that's so, so important. And thank you for coming on today. And we finally made it happen months later. I'm so impressed by us, Megan. Thank you for having me. This has been a great conversation. You're welcome. Thank you.